Okay, everybody take your Bibles and go to Proverbs chapter 1. So today we're going to just take a little look at Proverbs. I've been thinking a lot about wisdom and uh, foolishness, how God has called us to a wise walk, a circumspect walk, and how important it is that especially in this day and time. But, I, you know, in, th- in saying that, every time is, you know, we have the potential of walking foolishly or walking in wisdom. This teaching is, in a sense, a continuation of last week's teaching, which was on pride. And pride is, of course, foolishness. So I wanted to start off in Proverbs chapter 1 and look in verse 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son, son of David, king of Israel. And then it lists the purposes of Proverbs. For attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, for doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to the simple and knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. Let the discerning get guidance. For understanding Proverbs and parables, for sayings and riddles of the wise. And then it states the opening proverb for the book of Proverbs, which is verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. All right, let me read that again. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. I think that's an interesting word, despise. That fools don't just neglect, they despise wisdom. Isn't that interesting? So right here, we're going to look at wisdom and foolishness. There's six words here that I want you to pay particular attention to. The first one is wisdom. The second one is knowledge. The third one is discipline. Then there's prudence, discretion, and understanding. So we're going to talk about these six words. So wisdom. Wisdom is the right use or exercise of knowledge. The choice for laudable ends. Does everybody know what that means? Laudable for successful ends and of the best means to accomplish them. This is wisdom in act, effect or practice. If wisdom is to be considered a faculty of the mind, it is the faculty of discerning or judging what is most just, proper and useful. And if it is to be considered as an acquirement, it is the knowledge and use of what is best, most just, most proper, most conducive to prosperity and happiness. Okay, so that's wisdom, a definition of wisdom. I mean, we know that wisdom in in the Bible, wisdom comes from above. This is godly wisdom. The wisdom of this world is the wisdom of man. The second word we're going to look at is knowledge. Knowledge is the clear and certain perception of what of that which exists or of truth and fact. We can have no knowledge of what does not exist. God has a perfect knowledge of all his works. Human knowledge, on the other hand, is limited, very limited, and is mostly gained through the observation and experience of the user, doer. God bestows knowledge on humans through what? Revelation. Okay, so God reveals his knowledge or his understanding to us. Okay, now when we read the Bible, we're reading Revelation. Okay, so we got to make that that clear. God reveals to us through Revelation. He also reveals knowledge to us through his creation, doesn't he? 
Discipline is the third word we're going to looking at, look at. Discipline to instruct and educate, to inform the mind, to prepare by instructing in correct principles and habits, to discipline youth for a profession or for future usefulness, to instruct and govern, to teach rules and practice, and to accustom to order and subordination, as to discipline troops of an army. So, I think in that verse where it says that I bring my body under subjection, that I bring my body under subjection, lest I be found to be a reprobate. That's in Corinthians. Prudence. Prudence. The idea of prudence implies caution in deliberating and consulting on the most suitable means to accomplish valuable purposes and to exercise sagacity in discerning and selecting them. So does everybody know what sagacity means? We get the word sage. Sagacity means wisdom, wisdom. Prudence is the exercise of sound judgment in avoiding evils. Wisdom is the exercise of sound judgment either in avoiding evils or attempting good. Another word that we can use for prudence is circumspection, circumspection. Circumspection means that I am aware of what's going on around me. The next word we're going to look at is discretion. It is the element, it has this element of circumspection as well. It is the discernment that enables a person to judge critically of what is correct and proper, united with caution. So there's this idea of caution again. So both with prudence and with discretion, there's this notion of caution, as well as this notion of circumspection. All right, that you are aware, okay? Proper discernment and judgment directed by circumspection and primarily regarding one's own conduct. So to behave discreetly, okay? Understanding. The Bible uses a word in the New Testament, the Greek word, sunesis, for understanding. Sunesis means the confluence of two rivers into one, okay? So if you can imagine... You have two flowing rivers, and they flow together as one. And this is the idea behind understanding, that you can have two different thoughts or ideas or notions, and they come together in one. And this is understanding. We also refer to this as depth. A person has depth. Um, If you think about it, knowledge grows through addition, right? You learn one fact, and then you learn another fact, and another fact, And another fact, okay? But after a while, at some point, your knowledge starts to multiply. You start having sunesis. You have this flowing together of ideas into brand new ideas. And then eventually, your knowledge grows exponentially. I think of that verse in in the Word where it says, For whosoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even that which he will Uh, he has will be taken away from him. Okay, so this idea that when you have, the more you have, the more you will be given, the more understanding, the more depth that you will have. Okay, Proverbs tells us to trust in the Lord with all our hearts and lean not to our own understanding. In all our ways, we're to acknowledge God and he will make our paths straight. And that's one of the important things here that we have to keep in mind. If we want understanding, we have to keep our eyes single on God. 
if we're going to God, but then we're also going to the world, we're going to get two sources of understanding. And remember what the word says, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So you can't hope to have any kind of depth if you're sitting on a fence. Okay. So uh, discretion and prudence. That means uh, the idea that we're walking in circumspection. So we know from the word that Proverbs was written to the young person. And the reason I'm thinking a lot about that is because my kids are at camp this week and it's a bunch of young people. And uh, I was thinking about the difference between what my kids are doing at summer camp and what a lot of kids are being encouraged to do in our culture. We have a culture of activism. We are, as a culture, we're encouraging our children to get out there and to make their voices heard. Change the world. Go out there and change the world. I was thinking of uh, Greta Thunberg. I don't know if everybody's familiar with her, but she she's a I think she's like she was 16 years old, 15 or 16 years old. She's a Swedish Swedish environmental activist. And she got up in front of the U.N. and she lectured the U.N. 16 years old. She got up there and said, how dare you? (laughs) It was so theatrical. She said, people are suffering. People are dying. Entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction. And all you can do is talk. And, you know, everybody clapped and they thought she was great and she was courageous. Nobody bothered to check that perhaps her facts weren't really all that correct. But, you know, that's beside the point. She was speaking truth to power. And that's all that counts, right? I'm thinking about uh, Jordan Peterson. He's a clinical psychologist that I like. And um, he was talking about this kid that he saw in a in a protest. And he had a, saw, a sign that said, down with poverty, <laughs> as if there were any of us who actually wanted poverty, of course, down with poverty. He said, and this was his quote, it's an abdication of responsibility with the mask of social virtue. I thought that was pretty interesting. See, it's got this sense of social virtue. And then he goes on and he talks about these kids who can't even clean their own rooms, who can't maintain a steady and meaningful relationship with somebody. But boy, they're out there lecturing people on how they should lead their lives. Of all people, these are the least qualified to be telling anybody about anything. There are things in their private lives that they should be attending to. And if they actually fix those things, that would constitute a genuine accomplishment. You see, there are no shortcuts to true virtue. No shortcuts. These efforts have to be done in private where nobody is admiring you. And that's the rub, isn't it? People like to get out there and you know, they hold up their signs and they yell real loud and, and they tell everybody how virtuous they are. You know, I think about that verse in uh, Matthew 6 where it talks about, you know, when you pray, don't pray as the hypocrites do who stand on the corners and who profess their piety. They shall have their reward. For the most part, wisdom, knowledge, discipline, prudence, discretion and understanding are arrived at in privacy, right? Right. Activism is cheap virtue. It's cheap virtue. This is what we once called bluster, but are now calling virtue signaling. Virtue signaling. It's as if the person were crying out, look at how virtuous I am. I was thinking about this record in the book of Job. You don't have to turn there. But uh, Job is, uh, you know, he's, he's in grief over the death of his family and over the destruction of his household. Um, and he's thinking back of, you know, in, in better days, 
and about how he used to be an elder in the gate. Now, an elder of a gate was somebody who was known for his wisdom. And uh, in Job 29, it says, How I long for the months that have gone by, for the days when God watched over me, when his lamp shone upon my head, and by his light I walked through darkness. Oh, for the days when I was in my prime, when God's intimate friendship blessed my house, when the Almighty was still with me and my children were around me, when my path was drenched in cream, and the rock poured out for me streams of olive oil. When I went into the gate of the city and took my seat in the public square, the young men saw me and stepped aside, and the old men rose to their feet. The chief men refrained from speaking and covered their their mouths with their hands. The voice of the nobles were hushed, and their tongues stuck to the roof of their mouths. And this is the response of a virtuous culture for genuine virtue, reverence and silence. But that's not our culture. You see, our younger people need less activism and more wisdom and discretion. Look at verse 20. It says, wisdom calls aloud in the streets. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. So before we go on, you get this picture in your mind. Okay, now wisdom here is personified, which means that, you know, wisdom is a virtue. But now we're giving flesh to wisdom as if wisdom was a person. Okay, and here uh, wisdom is an older sister. So wisdom is standing up and in this noisy Middle Eastern marketplace right during the business of the day. All right. She cries aloud and lifts up her voice in the public square. Now, what does this mean? This means that wisdom is not hard to find. You don't have to go searching for wisdom. It's there. It's there. Verse 22. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made my thoughts known to you. Verse 24, but you rejected me when I called, and no one gave heed when I stretched out my hand. Since you ignored all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I will, in turn, will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when calamity overtakes you. When the calamity overtakes you like a storm, and when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. That doesn't seem very nice, does it? She's not a very nice big sister. Well, what's the point here? The point is, in peacetime, in times of, you know, everything going well, those ought to be the times that we become acquainted with wisdom, that we grow in wisdom, that we turn at her rebuke. When she corrects us, we listen to her and we become wiser. But what happens is a lot of times people will ignore wisdom during those peaceful peaceful times, and then they have to suffer the hard times. And then they look to wisdom, but wisdom is not there for them. She won't be there when they need her. Look at verse 28. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me, since they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, They will eat the fruit of their own ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. How about that? This is what you get. Verse 32, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. 
But whoever listens to me, wisdom, will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. I, I love that phrase, the waywardness of the simple and the complacency of fools, right? Look in chapter 8, Proverbs 8. Proverbs 8 continues this whole personification of wisdom. Look in verse 1, it says, Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? See, this is a lot like what we read in Proverbs 1. There's actually a verse, if you hold your finger here and go to Proverbs chapter 7 and look in verse 4. It says, Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your kinsman. How about that? So it's this idea that wisdom is speaking to you as a big sister, right? Uh, Verse 2 in Proverbs 8, it says, On the heights along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Besides the gate, gates leading into the city, at the entrances, she cries aloud, O oh, you, O oh men, I call out, I raise my voice to all mankind. You see, wisdom is there to be found. Wisdom isn't hiding. Wisdom is out there speaking loudly to people. Look at me. Listen to what I have to say. Verse 5, you who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. Listen. For I have worthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. How about that? So there is a criteria here, isn't it? Isn't there? It says, to the discerning, all my words are right. They are faultless to those who have knowledge. Verse 10, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can be compared with her. How about that? What an endorsement, huh? So it would make a lot more sense to be poor, living in your single wide and wise, than to have lots and lots of money, own Amazon.com, and be a fool. I love that. My mouth speaks what is true, and my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them are crooked and perverse. And that's wisdom. That's wisdom. Verse 12, I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. How about that? Wisdom hates pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. And we talked about that last week. Look in verse 14. It says, Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have understanding and power. By me, kings reign and rulers make just laws or make laws that are just. By me, princes govern and all nobles who rule on the earth. You see, a true leader is a wise leader. Wisdom is fundamental to good leadership. It says in verse 17, I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness along the paths of justice, bestowing wealth on those who love me and making their treasuries full. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was appointed from eternity and from the beginning before the world began. So that shows you the value that God places on wisdom, that before 
everything, God had wisdom. That wisdom was in the beginning with God. It was the first of God's works. Verse 24, when there were no oceans, I was given birth. When there were no springs abounding with water before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the earth or its fields or any of the dust of the world, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep, when he gave the sea its boundary so the water could not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was the craftsman at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in mankind. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not ignore it. Blessed is a man who listens to me, watching daily at my doors waiting at my doorways. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor from the Lord. But whoever fails to find me arms himself, and all who hate me love death. Boy, that's pretty clear, isn't it? All who hate me love death. Go back to Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs 2 says in verse 1, it says, My son, if you accept my words and you store up my commandments within you, You turn your ear from wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. And if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Isn't that something? So if you're just walking along and, uh, you know, living your life and not putting any effort or any thought or any pursuit into wisdom, then you're, you can't hope to get those benefits. You can't hope to understand what the fear of the Lord is and the finding of the knowledge of God, right? And remember what I said earlier is that wisdom is up there like, you know, your older sister yelling after you in the marketplace. But you've got to pursue it. You've got to take heed to it. It's up to you. This is more than just an idle listening to it. We're supposed to call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, It becomes our personal quest to know wisdom. And if we pursue wisdom, then we will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. And those are the two objectives, right? In our godly walks, those are the objectives. I was thinking of Deuteronomy 31. You don't have to turn there, but it says, Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is in within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do what uh, to do all the words of the law and that their children, which have not known anything, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. So, you know, fearing God means a lot more than just being afraid of him. Fear of the Lord means that you it's a learning that you learn to walk in in reverence to him, that his commandments are more important to you than what you are surrounded with, than getting praise from your friends on how virtuous you are. It goes on in verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. See, wisdom, knowledge, understanding come from God. Verse 7, he holds victory in store for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk, whose walk is blameless. 
for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. Isn't that great? To understand what is right and just and fair. You know, I think about a lot of this social justice stuff going on in our culture right now, how people are, you know, saying this is just and that's unjust. How do we know? Well, we need to know God first. God will show us the right paths. It says in verse 10, for wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your souls. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. Those are great words. Discretion will protect you. Understanding will guard you. You know, I I was thinking about something while I was putting the teaching together this morning, and I just wanted to bring it up. I think it's a teaching moment. And uh, back during the presidential elections, um, the Christian community had what I would call a teaching moment. Leading up to the, the election itself and even after it, it seemed like everybody was running around in the Christian community as if they were a prophet. And uh, I found it to be incredibly unwise what I heard and what people were doing. Um, I've never seen so many prophets in the Christian community. And it was interesting that after the fact, they kind of faded into the background. Um, But when the dust settled and everything became clearer after the elections, it became very apparent that there was a whole lot of deceiving and uh, a whole lot being deceived and a whole lot of deceiving going on. Instead of the Christian community seeking God's wisdom and his prudence and his understanding and his discretion, many Christians became consumed with the words of men, the latest gossip, which they foolishly claim was wisdom from above. Whole churches were allowed to become echo chambers for this foolishness. And this was not wisdom. Moderation and restraint were thrown right out the window. And the fact is, these prophets, these peddlers of YouTube videos and podcasts were wrong. They were wrong. It was like amateur hour in the church. And for those who are listening to this and might try to defend themselves by saying, well, some of it was true, I would say, sure, some of it was. But tell me, isn't that precisely how Satan works? By wrapping a nugget of truth with a whole lot of deception? There's nothing new here. God's wisdom is precise. And I think too many in the Christian community fell for the deception. You know, I think about it. The world looks to the church in times of crisis for wisdom and for um, stability. And they didn't find that during the presidential election. You know, I think about what it says in Hebrews chapter five. It says the fact is, though, by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk not solid food. You know, I was talking earlier about how the, you know, the the young people out in the protests are virtue signaling, but we got some virtue signaling going on in the church too, right? Look at me. Look at how spiritual I am. I was talking to AJ or I was texting with AJ the other day and I noted to him that, you know, the space between servant and celebrity is pretty small, right? Everybody wants to get out there and be the prophet, the go-to guy who's got all the answers, gives them a, a feeling of empowerment, and it's just, it's just wrong. And since then, I've only heard a few of these prophets actually walk back their prophecies and apologize for their false prophecies. And it's a scandal. It's a scandal in the church. A lot of people have this attitude of, oh, well, we'll get it right the next time. Well, this isn't something you just slough off. There is an accounting due here. 
And I think that these people who were peddling all these YouTube videos, they've got to give an account. They've got to give an account. This whole shameful thing brought nothing but disrepute to the church. And I remember, you know, if you tried to voice a little of a little moderation, people blow right past you. And it's just not right. I was thinking about this verse in Jeremiah 23, where uh, uh, Jeremiah is dealing with this false prophet, this notion of the false prophet. And he says, and there hearken not unto the words of the prophets who prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They make you vain. Instead of demonstrating the wisdom of God, what we demonstrated as a church was foolishness. The truth is that wisdom and discretion and prudence comes from God. If we are not turning our ear to wisdom and applying our heart to understanding, if we're not calling out for insight and crying aloud for understanding, if we're not looking for it for silver as for silver and searching for it as for hidden treasure, then we will not understand the fear of the Lord and we will not find the knowledge of God. And that's what scripture says. That's what it says. It's that simple. That same chapter in Jeremiah 23 says, let the prophet who has a dream dream his dream, but let the one who has my word speak it faithfully. For what is straw to the grain, declares the Lord. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rocks to pieces? And that's exactly right. That's what we need to be speaking in a time of crisis, not running around saying, I have a dream, I have a dream. It was nonsense, absolute nonsense. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but is wise. We had a lot of foolishness in the church. And remember, foolishness just doesn't pop up. It's been cultivating for quite a while. In verse 12, it goes on to say here, wisdom will save you from the ways of the wicked men, from men whose words are perverse, who leave the straight paths to walk in dark ways, who delight in doing wrong and rejoice in the perverseness of evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. It will save you also from the adulteress, from the wayward wife with her seductive words, who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. And, you know, this is literally talking about an adultering woman. You know, this is written to a young man, remember, Proverbs. And he's saying, watch out for that adultering woman. But this is also in a uh, more uh, metaphoric way dealing with false philosophies that entice young men to follow after them and that he would leave, you know, the partner of his youth, which is God. It will, uh, it goes on for her house leads to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. None who go to her return or attain the paths of life. Thus you will walk in the ways of good men and keep the paths of the righteous. For the upright will live in the land and the blameless will remain in it. But the wicked will be cut off from the land and the unfaithful will be torn from it. That's something. That's what God says. God says, keep wisdom, pursue it. God's wisdom and his knowledge, his discipline and prudence, his discretion and understanding are to bless and protect his people. And we're going to be ending up here in Proverbs chapter four, Proverbs four. It says, get wisdom Get understanding. Get it. Go after it. Do not forget my words or swerve from them. Do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. 
Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Esteem her, and she will exalt you. Embrace her, and she will honor you. She will set a garland of grace on your head and present you with a crown of splendor. Listen, my son, accept what I say, and the years of your life will be many. I guide you in the way of wisdom and lead you along the straight paths. Awesome. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for that message. We thank you, Father, for wisdom. We thank you for prudence, and we thank you for understanding. Father, give us discretion. Give us discernment, Father, that we are able to see the truth and distinguish it from the error. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you give us courage and boldness to stand up for what is right. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that the church can once again be a be a, a institution to be reckoned with and no longer filled with a bunch of knee-jerk enthusiasts. Father, I thank you that there can be integrity within the household of faith and honor and strength. I thank you for all these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. For you, I'm the only wise God. All knowledge flows out from your throne. And you give to all who would ask. And you never Guide me through this life